Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Hart. It's coming to you from a Chicago hotel, River North. I'm about to slap some Portillos after this. So great day to be great. As always on this edition of the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast, we're talking all things DFS, looking at dra- uh, looking at that DraftKings main slate. Not exactly the strongest slate as we'll get to. We got Chiefs Chargers on Thursday night, Raiders Browns, Patriots Colts on Saturday, and Saints Buccaneers Sunday night, and Vikings Bears on Monday night. So Certainly got to find some new guys to play, but always capable. And hey, if you, you know, listen to this podcast, you had your season long team get knocked out, looking to get some revenge now instead of all the way next September, this is the show for you. So as always, I'm joined by none other than PFF Zone, Andrew Erickson, a.k.a. The Prop Profit. Andrew, how are you, my friend? Doing good. I was doing a lot better before I looked at the slate, looked at these (laughs) running backs, and I was like, Man, like, are we sure Debo Samuel doesn't have running back eligibility yet? Like, come on. Like, <laughs> I really want to play him in my running back slot because I don't love the running backs on this slate. But we'll get into it. But I'm doing good, man. Uh, holidays are coming up. The props have been pretty good so far this year. And, yeah, man, I'm ready for week 15. You know, playoffs are heating up. Fantasy playoffs are here. I actually made it in a lot of my season-long leagues. So I think that reflects well on how I did this year as an analyst. Hopefully the listeners are in a lot of leagues as, as in playoffs as well. So, yeah. All good over here. Man, the one league I really disappointed in was uh, this, like, sleeper tournament we had because what I didn't realize, and it got me, like, four times throughout the year, because, you know, Andrew, when you're in a lot of leagues, usually for me, I go, like, Wednesday and Sunday morning uh, check-ins maybe, and you know, Thursday night before, obviously, but it's not like I'm looking at these each and every day when you're in 15 of them. Uh, And the sleeper league, we were lucky enough to play with A.J. Dillon, the actual A.J. Dillon. Very cool. Uh, the problem was because A.J. Dillon, you know, has other things to do on Sunday than just sit around and watch Red Zone, they disabled the ability to add drop players on Sunday morning. So time after time after time, I uh, I lost one game by .1 because I had my quarterback on the bench. Um, there were some other just atrocities, Andrew, that, you know what, they're my fault, and here I am just complaining about it, making myself even a bigger loser about it. But, yeah, I don't think I'm going to join any fantasy leagues where you can't add and drop on Sunday morning in the future. Wild concept. Um, that's what you get for playing fantasy football real football players so anyway andrew let's talk some cash as you mentioned this is absolutely brutal almost every single position honestly i usually were looking for a cheap tight end i got all the way up to the top at george kittle before i saw someone i really wanted to play we'll start things off at quarterback though I think Tua at 5.7K is probably the cheapest you can go. We got Jalen Hurts, our usual cash game staple, at 6.6K. We still know he's at least playing through the pain to an extent. He was practicing on Wednesday, but a limited fashion. We also got Matthew Stafford at 7K, who might make sense if we decide to end up wanting to get up to Cooper Cup, getting that Van Jefferson in there as well with Odell Beckham out. So, Andrew, I know you're kind of between Stafford and Tua. Which way are you leading this week? Because there's not... You know, someone, we have Gabriel Davis, we have Devontae Parker, we have some wide receivers that we'll talk about. There's nobody that we can save a ton of cash with. With that said, the early builds, I do think it's reasonable enough to get up to Stafford. Yeah, I mean, I think that you, again, we don't have right now like any like free square running. I mean, maybe, maybe Duke Johnson. It's possible, <laughs> depending on how you this is heavy backfield. <laughs> like, if someone shows up to play running back, like, who knows? But, Again, that's just another reason to kind of back Tua as an option at five at five point seven because we know the Dolphins like to throw the ball anyway. They have the sixth highest neutral passing uh, game script, so they throw the ball even when they play bad defenses against the run, like that because they can't run block. So if they don't have any running backs. Kind of seems like they're going to lean in towards Tua throwing the ball with Waddle with Devontae Parker. I love the like it's so easy to stack with Tua even in cash with Parker or Waddle. Like those guys are both like really really cheap especially Parker. So I think that if you want to pay it for one of these running backs, like you like need to jam in Najee or Joe Mixon, like they have don't have great matchups, but they're just like touch monsters. So like, you know what the floor is going to be there for those guys, especially with Najee because he's more involved in the passing game. But I didn't find myself really needing to want those guys, like those running backs and the guys I wanted were more in the six K range. So I was able to get up to Stafford pretty easily, and I like him more than Kyler Murray and Rodgers, who, again, you know, Kyler against the Lions. Okay, yeah, of course, it's a great spot, like, obviously. Like, it, no one's going to, like, argue about him being in a terrible spot, but he's expensive, and it's about 
you, know, you look at the Lions, they've actually allowed the 10th fewest fantasy points per game to quarterbacks. It's because teams just run all over them, and right. quarterbacks aren't asked to do a lot. And that's kind of the same thing I feel like with Aaron Rodgers. Like, if if Lamar Jackson doesn't play, okay, they'll get up, and they'll get the ball to AJ. I mean, the Packers are more than happy to run the ball, like, 30 times. So, from a competitive game standpoint, like, Stafford kind of fits he kind of checks off all the boxes, like a good matchup on paper. He has good receivers. He has good weapons. You can stack him. And the Seahawks can do enough on offense to like keep the Rams pedal to the metal. So I think Stafford really fits in nicely at 7K. Just quickly on Tua, he had actually, I believe, an overall QB one week at some point this year. I just had this up. Yes. Okay. All the way back in week seven, he did finish as the overall QB one. Since then, hasn't finished back in the top 12. He does have two top 13 finishes, though. Hasn't finished outside of top 20. So we don't usually get the big time rushing floor from Tua. He is capable, though, like we have seen it from time to time. And to your point, throws the ball enough that it doesn't matter. So Tua, if you want to go low. Stafford, if you want to go high. And similar to Tua, the stacking partners are just really easy this week uh, with Stafford because... Odell Beckham, unfortunately, is on the COVID list. So everyone in L.A. was vaccinated. So as always, make sure you tune in to our injury report edition of this podcast on Friday evening. And we'll be sure to update our thoughts on all of this. Now, Andrew, a running back, Urban Meyer, he's gone. He got fired for a multitude of reasons. And the one I think I was least mad about was the one that seemed to be the straw that broke the camel's back. I don't know. He kicked the kicker, man. Like, is that really a crime in the year 2021? Apparently it is. And he is out. So he has freed the artist known as James RB1 son. 5.4K against the Texans makes way too much sense. We also got James Conner at 6.4K. Even if Edmonds comes back, man, we're playing the Lions here. Like, I think if we just never even had the Edmonds injury happened and we just looked at this schedule, we would say this is the James Conner week. And the assumption that Edmonds could even come back to his usual role, I think is probably a stretch, particularly given how great Conner has been as a pass catcher. So Robinson at 5.4K, Conner at 6.4K. I think both of them can safely be put in. After that is where it gets interesting because, yes, if Elijah Mitchell – clears the concussion protocols, and he's fine. He's a lock against the Falcons. Other than that, though, Andrew, that's where it gets tough. And I think that's where we need to go wide receiver because I don't see, like, anyone else. We have some potential, you know, Daryl Henderson stays out, which doesn't seem likely. Then we can go to Sony Michelle, but Robinson, Connor, Sony potentially, Elijah potentially. Other than that, man, I think I'm good. To your point, I don't want to pay up all the way. If you just have excess salary for whatever reason and want to get Najee, like, okay, not the worst thing in the world. But to me, it's Robinson, Connor, and then maybe these other guys, depending on injury. Dude, you don't want to pay up <laughs> for Zeke Elliott? Man. Oh, man, <laughs> look at me, right? Just just a square. I mean, dude, like, I mean, we, we saw, I didn't, like, I didn't even play Zeke at all last week. Like, I know Pollard was out and, you know, he got steamed a little bit. I was like, guys, like, we've watched him play like he like he's got to score like score three touchdowns like it just and it's it's unfortunate like that zeke is kind of like limping to the finish line and literally he's still like a top 10 running back fantasy because he's not like actually injured yet like he hasn't missed any games so he's like kind of getting there but it's it's sad to watch i mean i wish they would just get him healthy and just rest him but i mean they they at least they have like a lock on the division so hopefully they can rest him so they can use him a little bit more um in the postseason but yeah, I mean, it's gross at running back. You know, I, I was trying to look like Antonio Gibson didn't his price didn't change at all. He, so he's still at 6K. But, you know, last week we saw the floor with him. And if they fall behind in a game, like he can get game scripted out. And that's not what you want to do in cash games. I know McKissick like had a DNP on Wednesday. So we'll kind of see how that plays out again. If McKissick doesn't play again, like I would be willing to go back towards Antonio Gibson because we don't know like. Well, Elijah Mitchell play like that's a question mark. You know, James Conner is day to day with an injury. So for some reason, he can't go. Then Gibson would kind of have to be someone you'd have to try to end up pivoting towards just because it's such a weak, um, a weak slate when it comes to the running back position. The Seahawks or the Rams running backs like, like we don't know. Like <laughs> we're right. not getting any updates on, on who the guy is. Like we want to play the, whoever the starting running back is, but like we don't know who it is. So I think just getting Stafford, Cooper Cup, it's like, all right, whatever. Like that's how I'll attack the Seahawks defense with. Um, these Rams, but yeah, like I wrote down like two other guys that like I even, and they're really more like GPPs. So yeah, I mean, running back there's really not that many. God, I mean, like Deontay Foreman's like the next like guy. I feel like semi decent about him. There's no way I would play him in cash. So yeah, that's where we're at with running back. 
And even if Mitchell's out, man, we can't really get behind Jeff Wilson as much as we would like to. <laughs> Michael Hasty is active. Debo Samuel's doing his thing. So you look at Wilson last week, 13 carries, 56 yards, no scores, and not even a single target, sub 60% snap rate. And tournament, hey, they're facing the Falcons. I can get behind that, obviously, but in cash games, miss me with that. Once again, James Robinson, James Conner, Elijah Mitchell, Sony, if their other team's running backs are out. Wide receiver, quite a few more options. We got Gabriel Davis, 3.7K, eating that chalk all day long with Emmanuel Sanders out with a knee injury. Also, Josh Allen banged up, could see them passing the ball a little bit more than usual. And Andrew, you know, last week we were all over Cole Beasley because of some of the, you know, stats we had behind the scenes, looking at that matchup against a zone-heavy Buccaneers defense. This week, they're actually facing... They are actually facing a Panthers defense that has run the six most cover snaps in either cover zero, cover one, putting their corners on an island and basically not giving them any safety help. They have one guy back there in cover one, obviously, but no, nothing that's like a too high set. Last week, they had Stephon Gilmore shadow for the first time all season. They're going to do that again. You know he'll be tracking Stephon Diggs. That leaves Gabriel Davis. And if you look at the Bills' target rates against cover zero and cover one this year, Diggs is number one because he's Stephon Diggs. Number two, though. Higher than Dawson, higher than Beasley, higher than Sanders by far is Gabriel Davis. So against man coverage, Allen has been willing to target Gabriel Davis. Probably too much of an uh, explanation. You know, we could have just said, hey, he's a chalky 3.7K wide receiver and we're playing a cash game. Put him in there and let's go, go move on. So if that's your cup of tea, that's fine. But just realize I do think Davis is good enough. And based on the matchup, uh, checks enough boxes uh, from that point of view to warrant the chalkiness that he has had. Beyond that, we got the Devontae Parker, only 4.3K. He's one of the only guys this year, I was surprised to see this, where he has, I believe it's at least four catches in every single game. So he really hasn't busted at all. He's just been injured uh, throughout the year. He's looked really as good as ever with contested situations. Came back from that injury in week 13, was back to his usual role, and now has had a full bye to get right again. Obviously not afraid of that Jets defense. Van Jefferson, 5.6K if OBJ is out. We mentioned that. And then from there, Andrew, like, I was able to get all the way up to Cup early, but that makes it a little bit tougher at tight end. So I think kind of the 2v2 thing we got to look at a little bit here is, like, do we want to go all the way up to Cooper Cup, or can we settle for someone like a Deontay Johnson, like a C.D. Lamb, and then that allows us to get up at tight end. So with all that in mind, I know you're with me on um, Parker, on Jefferson, on Gabe Davis. Where do you fall on, like, do you want to go all the way up to Cooper, or are you more content to get someone like Deontay, get someone like a Jalen Waddle, and then pay up elsewhere in the lineup? Yeah, I mean, I'm always like down to, to to punt tight end. So I know that Kittle's obviously the. I mean, I'm fine with punting tight end if that means I can get Cooper Cup and Deontay Johnson. Because that's the thing, like that's why we don't like Najee because I would just rather play Deontay Johnson. Like the yeah. guy has over a 30% target share. He's playing the Titans, who are the worst team in terms of fantasy points allowed wide receivers. Like that's how you attack them. You attack them through the air. They actually have one of the better run defenses against running backs this year. And We've seen it with Najee where he gets volume, but then if he's really inefficient, like he just doesn't get there all the time. Like he's had a couple bad games, even with a ton of volume. So I think Deontay, I mean, there are two guys that have like 30% target shares on this slate and it's Cooper Cup and it's Deontay Johnson, like over the last four weeks. So those are the guys like, because running back is so weak, like I, I want to like be greedy at the receiver position and pay up for those types of players. So um i'm willing to still punt a tight end there are a couple punty tight ends i do kind of like or that that piqued my interest i should say um uh, but obviously i it, it's it's still okay to obviously exchange one of those for a tight end and then you just pay down for a cheaper wide receiver with that in mind let's get to the main event which is always trying to find the cheapest tight end possible <laughs> i see the names andrew i think we need a rule if you cannot pronounce the name of the sub 3k tight end that you are trying to tout we cannot play them in cash so talk to me about brevin jordan and josiah de guara like see josiah there you go. i can't oh did i, I kind of pronounce it right damn all right so it is alive either way man i don't know about this sell me though andrew you're a smart guy let's hear what you got all right, so Brevin Jordan, so he's at 2.8K. He leads the Texans in target rate per route run. He has a 30% target rate per route run when Davis Mills is at quarterback. So, and I think the matchup is really good against the Jacksonville Jaguars. They've been one of the worst defenses in terms of strength of schedule per PFF's strength of schedule tool against the tight end position. So, like, he's been making plays. And even over the last four weeks, when it hasn't been Davis Mills under center, in terms of target rate per route run, he ranks third in the NFL behind only Gronk, 
George Kittle, Travis Kelsey. Like, like he's like getting targeted at a hyper rate now. Did you just find a stat for Brevin Jordan that puts him with Gronk, Kelsey, and like Kittle? Touche, yeah, my friend. It's, it's wild. It's it's wild. But he's just being hyper targeted, and it makes sense that the Texans are getting some of the younger players involved. I know they've been talking about like using Jordan Akins more in like a running back role, like like having him actually like block um, in the backfield because they had a lot of injuries at the running back position. So I'm not like concerned about like Farrell Brown or any of those other guys. Anthony Eclair, I think, is the other tight end on the Texans. So it's a good matchup. Brevin Jordan, I mean, he has more touchdowns this year than Kyle Pitts does. Like, like, he, like he's been a good, good rookie tight end so far when he's gotten the opportunity to play and he's seeing his snaps uptick. So... Look, he's got a high target rate per route run. That's kind of what I'm leaning towards. And then the other guy, Josiah DeGora, same thing. So he ran a route on over 60% of Aaron Rodgers' dropbacks last week. So that's pretty good tight end usage. That's kind of what we're looking for in the 60% range. And he's playing the Baltimore Ravens. You know, they're a bottom five team in terms of fantasy points allowed per game to tight ends. So we know Rodgers is going to be able to do whatever he wants against the Ravens' secondary. They don't really have anyone that can stop any of these other players. And, I mean, he's 2,700. Like, he's, like, super dirt cheap. And he's a good matchup. He is the leading tight end in terms of running the most routes. So those are the things I'm looking for when I'm trying to pay down. Like, it would have been the football. I mean, it would have been Seals-Jones. Like, he would have been locked and loaded, but then it became a yeah. friggin' duo between him and John Bates. So now that's friggin' useless between uh, against the Eagles. Like, that would have been the layup play. But unfortunately, we don't know. Like, dude, like, what are the, what's the football team doing with these, like, injured guys? And like, oh, yeah, Curtis Samuel, like, massive contract. Let's sign him and, like, have him run, like, five routes per game. Like, when when Terry McLaurin like gets hurt, like if there's ever a time to, you know, he's active. He's out there. You didn't yeah. put him on IR. You paid him this money. Like, what are you waiting for? Andrew, the only thing you didn't give me on Brevin Jordan, like he was literally Chris Herndon's successor at Miami, man. That's all you needed to say to sell me <laughs> on it. And I would have been uh He was a good college there. tight end too. Yeah. He he was I mean, he was I think he was like clearly third in the class behind Pitts, Fryermuth. So yeah, I mean he and that's the thing, like it, it it's one thing to like get behind like a Jack Doyle when his like target rate per route run yeah. is like really high for a couple weeks and you're like, ugh, like this kind of sucks. But like Jordan is like he's athletic tight end. Like we know he can make a big play here or there. And Davis Mills seems to favor him. And in this Jacksonville Texans game, like there's gonna be some points. Like I could see like the Jaguars kind of like playing a little bit more upbeat now that they've Urban Meyer's kind of been moved on. So we can maybe see some more fantasy points scored from both sides in this matchup. Man, you put that 2.8K tight end in the lineup, and all of a sudden, the whole world, you do the whole so world much, becomes dude. your oyster. So much. <laughs> all right. I didn't think I didn't think I was going to be able to pitch a uh, you know sub-3K tight end this week, but I agree with Andrew. It does help a lot. Brevin Jordan, 2.8K, and our guy from Green Bay, whose name I'm not going to butcher again, <laughs> 2.8. Truly, though, I mean, if you want to go all the way up to Kittle, it, you know, be my guest. We do need to see, I believe – well, what's going on with his knee exactly? I think just maybe rest. Yeah, I mean, it's the okay. same thing with like, I mean, right now, like, you know, someone was asking me about like Fournette being on the injury report. It's like, guys, like, it's, it's the end of the Wednesday. season. It's December. Yeah. Like, like everyone's going to be in the injury report on Wednesday. Like, no, like, like Wednesday, like nobody practices because it's like, what's the point? Like, all they're all, everyone's banged up. It's, you know, they have an extra game they have to play. So, I mean, week 18 is going to be wild when we do DFS because <laughs> I can only imagine like half these teams are like, like none of these, like we've heard of literally none of these guys. It's gonna be like preseason DFS all over again. That's when we got to get our uh, handy dandy Monday, like who's <laughs> playing for what articles out into the world. If you don't want to go that cheap, and if you don't want to go that expensive, I do think your sweet spot is Pat Fryermuth at 4.5K. Continues to score touchdowns. I like the uh, more touchdowns than Kyle Pitts stat. I'm just gonna start using that for almost every player <laughs> in the league. Uh, but with Fryermuth last week, like he almost caught his second touchdown at the end of regulation. Fantastic play by Harrison Smith to knock that ball out. So Big Ben been playing a little bit less crappy lately. You could imagine we're frying with against the Titans, just like Deontay gets going. Finally, on the defense, Andrew, like the days of getting these 2,100 defenses are done. They raised our damn price floor. Now we got to pay 2.4K for even the worst ones out there. With that said, Giants at 2.6K against a hurt version of Dak Prescott. The Jets at 2.5K versus a Dolphins offensive line that I pimped out the stats a few times this week. Second worst pass blocking grade in the PFF era, which goes all the way back to 2006. Also got the Jaguars at 2.8K to pair with James Robinson against the Texans. And ideally, if you can't get up to him, the Bills at 3.1K against P.J. Walker slash Cam Newton. Are you trying to lean on any of them, Andrew? Or is there a wild card, that, wild card in play that I did not mention? No, I think you hit the the main ones. Um, I mean, Panthers, like at 2,400, like they are – I get like that why they're 
obviously rank that because they're playing the Buffalo Bills, but they're literally tied with Buffalo in fewest yards per play allowed this season. So, like, anytime you can play, like, a real-life good defense, yeah. that's, like, it's only matchup-based. Like, like, they're not going to, like, get you negative points, probably. So then I'm going to take the discount. Like, yeah, yeah. they're not someone maybe you want to play. I don't think they're going to go out and score, like, 20 points or anything like that unless we really see that Josh Allen is, like, hampered by this ankle injury or whatever's wrong with his foot. I know that we saw him, like, a different picture of him, and he's, like, fine. But <laughs> we'll see. Well, I mean, we'll see. And we know Josh Allen can sometimes be injured or uh, turnover prone at sometimes when he gets kind of wild. So, I mean, Carolina has a real life good defense. So, this isn't one of those plays where you're playing Jacksonville at the min at the Stone Min because you're just trying to save money and you know their defense sucks or whatever. But Panthers defense is really good. Like you mentioned, like Stephon Gilmore is like one of the best cornerbacks this year in terms yeah. of passer rating generated when targeted. So. If he's on digs, like they can they can make some plays. So I like the Panthers. Ideally, on these cheap teams, we want a really we want a really good real life defense. We want them to be at home. We want them to be facing a bad offense. Obviously, very hard to check all those boxes when we're looking sub three K. The Panthers, though, they do check being a very good real life defense and. The Bills aren't a bad offense, but a banged-up version of Josh Allen, who, as we know, kind of has that Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson in him, where you will see these games where he's taking more sacks than he should. Uh, I do think that makes a lot of sense. They so also the abs- don't yeah. run the football. Like, they, they yeah. have to throw. And that's and every time a guy quarterback drop backs to throw, it's another chance you can get a sack, another chance you can get an interception. Not when teams are running the football, which, I mean, dude, like, I had the under on Devin Singletary last week, mm-hmm. and... The fact that he like on like one of his four carries, he rips off this forty yard run. I'm just like tilting my face. Like watching off. that first half, like oh, we're good. Already <laughs> spending the money you're supposed to be making. Yeah, as uh, as Woody Hayes once said, and you know when you throw the ball, two bad things can happen out of the three possible outcomes. Maybe a little bit outdated thought there, but shout out to Woody. All right, Andrew, overarching thoughts on cash games. We're looking at Tua as the cheap quarterback play, Stafford if you want to go on and get up, James Robinson, James Conner, lock them into the RB spots, depending on how injuries shake out, Elijah Mitchell and Sonny Michelle are going to be more than viable as well if uh, Daryl Henderson and um, Jeff, or excuse me, if Daryl Henderson is out and if Mitchell is playing. Wide receiver, we got Van Jefferson sitting pretty 5.6K if OBJ is out. Gabriel Davis, 3.7K with Emmanuel Sanders out. We can get up to Cooper Cup, but we also got Deontay Johnson more than viable and also Devontae Parker, 4.3K. Brevin Jordan, chief tight end play of the week. We have reached Brevin Jordan era in this uh, uh, stage of the podcast. Also, a Pat Fryer with a 4.5K, Kittle 7.5K. If you're really trying to pay up and get the best tight end in the game at the moment, then on defense, I do think the Panthers at 2.4K make a lot of sense, particularly since we don't have any bills uh, in this cash game lineup that we are going for. So let's move on a little bit to some GPP goodness. Two quarterbacks that caught my eye, Aaron Rodgers, 7.5K. Look, this Ravens secondary, all sorts of banged up. And really, when you look at this year, they've been blitzing at a top uh, – top six rate, I believe, but they haven't been getting as much pressure on the quarterback as usual. And that has been Rodgers' kryptonite. Largest drop-off in yards per attempt this year when kept clean versus when pressured. But more and more, man, like when we look at the Packers in the first 12, 13 weeks of the year, they kind of resembled more so the 2019 version of the team as opposed to the world-beating 2020 version. But then you look at these last three games they played, 31 points, 36 points, then 45 points. Rodgers is just clicking on all cylinders right now, and I do want to continue to have exposure to him without having Randall Cobb in the picture. It's a lot easier, I think, to get in these complimentary receivers. So going with Rodgers, then Devontae Adams, and then going down to an MVS or a Alan Lazard again, you know, it's one of these combinations where I get it. Devontae and Rodgers are costing you a lot, but because the third option of the stack is so much cheaper than we're used to seeing, it actually is a little bit more affordable to get up to than people think. And I'm also a fan of Russell Wilson at 6.4K, playing against a potentially uh, Ramsey-less Rams secondary. So if he's out with that, um, I do think we could finally see Russ put it all together. Tyler Lock has been doing his thing, like, really for the past four weeks. Wildest part about this Russ comeback is Tyler Lock is finally a consistent fantasy football wide receiver as we saw last week and as we'll get to DK Metcalf was awfully close to really breaking out himself last week had a touchdown nullified roasted a guy for another score and got a defensive pass interference and then Russ goes right back to him and throws a slant about five yards behind him on what could have been a touchdown so like the Seahawks like the Packers Andrew you like the Bengals and my god you like the Steelers but hey Big Ben credit where credit's due he's been putting up some fancy points lately 
Yeah, you just don't just don't watch games. Big time. <laughs> like that thing, that's the main thing. It's just like, oh, he scored 30 fantasy points. Like, how that happens? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So Joe Burrow, I feel like I talk about Joe Burrow every single week on, on tournaments, but just because it's quarterback that has a high ceiling because he has explosive playmakers and we know exactly where the ball is going. Like, it's such a concentrated target share. He's like the easiest quarterback to double stack with Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. Like, they make up for more than 50% of the targets. Like, C.J. Uzma is running wind sprints. Tyler Boyd is just really not a factor in this offense. And you have these two, like, borderline top 15 wide receivers at his disposal. And I love the matchup against Denver. If you look at the way Denver plays, they play a lot of man coverage. They rank top five in terms of coverage snaps from a man coverage look. And... Joe Burrow, PFF's highest graded quarterback, gets man coverage this year. So, okay. like, that's when Jamar Chase makes his big plays. Like, when they're playing zone, it's like, okay, like, it's hard for him to take the top take, take the top off the defense. But, you know, with some of the Broncos, like, the Broncos have, like, good cornerbacks, like, that they're willing to put on islands with these guys. And I'm going to make the bet that the Bengals receivers are more talented than the Denver corners and that they can, you know, overwhelm them, especially Chase. I mean, we're going to see some Chase versus Tan. Like, that's going to be fun to watch, the two, uh, two college play guys. So, it'll be fun to watch those guys kind of duke it out. But, yeah, I think that Burrow, Chase, Higgins makes a lot of sense. What happened? Jalen Waddle, COVID IR. Oh, no. All right, so two and Devontae Parker. <laughs> well, Devontae Parker now is just like, got to lock him in cash games, at least. So that gives you the salary to get at the staff rate. Pain. Why would you take Waddle from us? This couldn't have happened a week ago when they were on bye. Oh, my gosh. Well, All right. Cl- get- clearly they're uh, – <laughs> Clearly, we're seeing where the outbreaks are all happening. So, if you have like Dolphins players, like Browns players, like just make sure you have backups. Um, oh man, this means I have to start Julio Jones in one of my leagues. That's oh, what God. I'm really thinking about. Like, <laughs> oh Gross. my God, I've waddled um, everywhere. I touted him all damn offseason, Andrew, and he got us. He did a great job and he was coming into his own. This was supposed to be the true A plus stretch. Uh, damn, I'm disappointed. Hope you get better. Jalen, obviously. Yeah, so uh, don't play Jalen Waddle. Play uh, Devontae Parker. So, I mean, when, so Devontae Parker now has to be like, I mean, he's a lot uh, in cash. Andrew, I don't know about you, but I'm not going to play Waddle at all this week. <laughs> I'm not going to put him in any lineups when he's not going to be <laughs> playing football. Yeah, Parker's got to be a lock. Okay, but do we think now, like, what's Albert Wilson priced at? He's already been out there. Is he like 3K? Because that could be. He's out there. I mean, I know Matt Collins has also played a decent amount in there. But Um, Albert would be the guy that gets Waddles like one yard ADOT passes, you know? Yeah, and then also like it probably heightens the floor for Gusecki. And he's like the other slot receiver they have on the team. Um, But I feel like Gusecki like isn't used that. I think if anything, it's going to benefit Albert Wilson and Miles Gaskin if he can play. Gaskin, if he can play. Yeah, yeah. He's another guy we could probably play in cash because the Jets are terrible. Especially, I'd say, with Waddle out. Because we know the Jets are terrible, but also the Dolphins just can't run the ball. But someone is going to be getting those more or less extensions of the run game. It's going to be Albert Wilson, or it's going to be Miles Gaskin. Du- they're going to move Duke Johnson to the slot. Like, <laughs> they like to talk about every single summer. <laughs> quit quit playing with my heartstrings, Andrew. I'm, you know... I got, I have all my guys. I'm usually pretty good at separating the, you know, dudes I'm a really big fan of and who's actually a good fantasy player. But then Cordero Patterson comes out of nowhere this year and becomes a fantasy star. So, like, my whole world has kind of been flipped inside out. I'm just going to start drafting Chris Herndon in round two next uh, year. Okay. But, uh, that, so, so I'll just mention on, on Big Ben real quickly. Um, it's just, again, like, I, I, I like this, I like this game. Like, I like the Steelers Titans game. You have two teams that are both, like, they stand out a little bit offensive pace per game or plays per game in your last six weeks Steelers are 10th Titans are 17th so you got a little bit of a up tempo you have the Titans being a pass funnel defense you know they're very bad against the pass but much better against the run so and we've seen Big Ben you know get it done over the last couple of weeks I know it's been kind of gross to watch and I know like if you watch the Thursday night game because the Vikings you're like okay this offense is gonna literally do nothing and then he goes out and like scores like 30 points in the second half but He's been a top 15 fantasy quarterback in four of his last five games, including two inside the inside the top eight. So, yeah, I mean, again, it's kind of the same thing with Burrow, where you know you play Big Ben, you stack him with Chase Claypool and Deontay Johnson. Like, you know exactly. Like, you're not going to be surprised necessarily, or even like a Fryermuth. So, um, it's pretty clear cut like who your stack part is, because that's part of like that's part of the equation with these tournaments. Is yeah. like, yeah, you can play the quarterback, but hits. So, like, you got to make sure you hit on the receivers too. So. I think Stafford as well in tournaments is also like very viable because you have Cup, Higby, and Van Jefferson, so it's pretty clear cut. 
Moving on to some running backs. We talked about Gaskin. Maybe we, we still got to find out if he gets off the COVID list. Same thing with Salvin Auckland. Same thing with all these guys. So, obviously, a situation that is still unfolding, but the Jets are the league's worst defense. Fancy points per game allowed to running backs. Obviously, expecting Gaskin to, if he's active, take a lot of those waddle targets. And also, Deontay Foreman at 5.2K. Andrew, I heard you mention him earlier, and he did catch my eye as well when I was initially going through it. Disgusting usage with Hilliard and McNichols staying equally involved last week. None of these guys played even 40% of the snaps. But we've seen the Titans kind of do this even with Derrick Henry, where it took Henry years to even get to like a 70-80% snap roll. Still got his touches, just kind of left us wanting a little bit more. Foreman might not need that large of a roll to convert 15 to 20 carries into a lot of production against the Steelers' league-worst defense in yards before contact allowed per carry. They are getting run over in recent weeks, man, after dropping that one to the Vikings last week. Like, I don't think that's really going to be that heartbreaking loss. I don't think that's going to be what really turns around uh, this currently sad state of the Pittsburgh Steelers defense. So Foreman, something to keep in mind. Also, Jeff Wilson at 5K if Elijah Mitchell stays out. But even then, man, like I'm not loving the ceiling on these guys. Do we think the move is just to in tournaments like you said it. We have Robinson. We have Connor. We have these guys. So maybe the move is to go really cheap at wide receiver, pay up to get like Mixon, Najee, and Cordero. Maybe like Aaron Jones. Because look, man, I'm trying to look for these mid and lower price guys. They're not there. I see the ownership really concentrating more on the few guys that we know are fine, the 5, 6K range. Maybe, again, general tournament roster construction strategy. We really pay up a running back and just fill out the rest of the lineup as we can. Yeah, I mean, it definitely seems like a week where you, you want to play four wide receivers um, in tournaments just because we, we see this all the time. Like receivers just have some have really high ceilings because they can get there on, on big plays and things like that where running backs, it's just, it's like really hard to find like a super like under rostered running back that sees the ball like 20 times. Like the, they're not under roster most of the time. So I think that, but in this particular week where we're talking and we're saying like, eh, gross, like don't want to pay up for running back, don't want to pay up for running backs. Like, all right, like, just play Joe Mixon then. Like 25 touches per game over the last four weeks, and he'll be under 10%, I guarantee. And it's not because just it, he's not going to work with the roster construction. He's not a bad He's never a bad play because if you touch the ball 25, 25 times per game, like chances are you're going to do something. And if you look at Denver and the way their defense is actually giving up fantasy points to running backs, you know, on the year, the season long totals are pretty good. I think they're like a little bit above average in terms of fantasy points allowed running backs. But if you look at the running backs that actually saw volume against them, those guys have all hit over 20 fantasy points. So Mixon has a guy that we're going to see a big workload. I mean, he's had big workloads, even though he hasn't done a lot the last two weeks specifically. But, I mean, no one's going to be surprised if Mixon gets 30 carries and scores 30 fantasy yeah. points because that's what he does. So, again, I just don't – there's, like, not a lot of people talking about the Bengals as, like, a, an offense that people want pieces of. But I see a lot of opportunities with them against Denver. Because I think Denver's defense is okay. It's not like this – juggernaut we all we got to fade everyone against denver i think they're okay and i just think that it wouldn't be surprising to see the bengals you know put up points on them i'm surprised that denver is like a slight favorite in this one man like i don't think it's out of the question that burrow and company hit a big play early teddy can't keep up because he's been playing you know like the bad version of teddy for the better part of the past two months and all of a sudden the Bengals have the sort of positive game script that we know Mixon needs to thrive the dude had how many straight like rb1 weeks before last last week's dud like that's not let one down performance get us off it love that Mixon call all right quickly some wide receivers you know had Devontae Parker down here. Obviously, he's going to be a bit too chalky uh, for some of these tournaments. With that said, though, I mentioned the Green Bay offense. We can go down to Lazard and MVS. Both guys playing full-time roles with Randall Cobb out of the picture. Also, DK Metcalf explosion. Should have happened last week. Maybe we get it this week. Still just 6.2K. That is such an insult. And even if Ramsey comes back and plays everyone, he scored two touchdowns on the Rams in his last two matchups against them. That's why corner, wide receiver cornerback matchups are helpful but they're also not a rule of thumb good tiebreaker and i'll take that ownership break any chance i can get it there and i also do want to try to cash in on amari cooper just 6.4k i thought he looked healthier than he has all season last week i know Dak's not looking great with that said though man i know uh pff's own seth galena 
had a pretty good thread where, you know, one of the smartest football guys at our company went through each and every play with Dak, and he was kind of rejecting this notion that Dak played as terribly as a lot of people thought. Like, okay, I'm not trying to defend that fourth quarter pick. That was maybe one of the worst picks we've seen all year. I think his point was you remove that boneheaded play where Dak, like, just pretty clearly didn't see the guy. Like, it was a terrible throw, but he just didn't see the guy. Overall, on the game, maybe wasn't quite as bad as we all thought. So this Cowboys offense, still second-ranked scoring offense in the league. And if we can get the healthy version of Amari Cooper, I mean, that's a guy that we know can go for 100, 200-plus with multiple touchdowns during any given week. Haven't seen it a lot this year. Had the COVID list, you know, thing. Has been playing through a multitude of lower body injuries. Just remember, Amari Cooper can be that guy, pal, when things are fully clicking for him. Now, Andrew, these are tournaments, so we're trying to get out there. I see you were also in on a certain Cowboy wide receiver. CeeDee Lamb, full-time from the slot. Didn't quite have the explosion we were hoping for last week, but with this role they have for him right now, the floor is pretty high, and the ceiling, as we know, is the roof. Yeah, CeeDee Lamb is like this like volcano in in its slumber like like he always like has a he'll have one game where he has like a ton of air yards and like high value opportunities in the next game he like won't like cash in on them We're like oh like it didn't happen then everyone kind of goes away from lamb and then he does it he does it like the next week you're like oh we were just a week early and that's kind of like the case here with lamb you know he's been seeing a ton of end zone targets a ton of air yards and you know last week he's actually led the team with a 24 percent target share so i always look at that I'm like like he still saw the targets and like you had yeah. mentioned he was using the slot that's how you attack this Giants defense. You know, they have allowed the fifth most fantasy points wide receivers over the last four weeks. So they rank sixth in targets to wide receivers aligned inside from the slot. So Lamb, you know, he had a decent game against the Giants when they played earlier in the yep. season, 84 yards and a score. So I think CeeDee Lamb, again, there are just some players that you just got to play every single week because you know that the explosions are there. And Lamb, like, same thing with Jamar Chase. I was playing him every single week, and it's like, finally worked last week, like, after a very long stretch <laughs> of just underwhelming and drops and things like that. It just happens. So with these blow-up wide receivers, like, we know who they are. You just got to keep playing them. I think you go back to the well here. Um, with CeeDee Lamb. And if you look at Dak this year, I mean, we had the week one game against the Buccaneers. He throws the ball 58 times. We're like, oh, okay. Cooper, CeeDee, top 10 wide receivers every week. Then they got on that win streak where Dak, they were running the ball a ton because Zeke and Pollard at that point were both crushing it. And we saw four straight games where Dak didn't throw the ball more than 32 times. Some game script, you know, induced it uh, going for, going after that. But over these past two weeks, the Cowboys have been up by double digits for the majority, overwhelming majority of the Washington game and a good amount of that Saints game. And we're still seeing Dak flirt with that 40 pass attempt mark. So with Zeke as banged up as he is, with Pollard banged up himself, I think the Cowboys are willing to put a little bit more on Dak's arm. And I get it. He hasn't been playing well. We've talked about the splits pre and post calf injury on this podcast. But you know, Andrew, like, you don't, we only need to go back three weeks to find the last time we went for 375 freaking yards. So when you have guys as good as CD and Cooper, I agree. Got to get those shots in on them every single week. Anyone else you wanted to talk about here? I think you already kind of mentioned the Bengals. We both on DK Metcalf and Marquez Valdez-Scanling always has that one-hitter quitter ability with that deep ball. Any other thoughts on wide receiver, Andrew? No, man, I think that's really – oh, I guess we'll – I mean, I think we should just mention briefly the Cardinals wide receivers. Yeah. So okay. without DeAndre Hopkins in the fold – I'm leaning towards Christian Kirk at, at 5,300 as the kind of the guy. I, I mean, like, Ronda, like basically when I broke down the splits for these three guys between Moore and Green, and it gets complicated because Green missed one of those games. Yeah. So, like, we really, like, you have, like, two games where they all played, and then you have, like, the game against Green Bay where Hopkins played, like, 25% of the snaps. So I, I kind of, like, took from that. And really, you have one game where Rondell Moore, like, had 11 catches for, like, 51 yards. And that, that really kind of, like, inflates his total outlook. I mean, really, it was Kirk that saw the most routes. Like, that's the guy who really saw probably the most usage upgrade. I mean, like, Ronald Moore did play a little bit. He already has a really high target rate per route run. I just don't know how high his ceiling is unless he, like, breaks off this, like, massive play. And if you look at the Lions, at least the way that they've kind of given up efficiency numbers this year, it's been to slot receivers. So they rank 26 in pass rating, allowed to wide receivers aligned to the slot, where they rank fifth. Um, two receivers lined up outside. So we know Green, like, that's like the only difference I can find between Green and Kirk. It's like Kirk plays in the slot, Green does it. But like yeah. air yards, targets, like routes, it's like so close that I think that I do lean on the Kirk side ever so slightly. I give it to Kirk as well. I think they're fine guys to, you know, 
pick and pop into GPP lineups. I just I'm not convinced enough that there's enough there's enough volume going around to any single player to really trust in cash at this point. And like, look, go back two weeks ago and Kyler threw the ball literally 15 times. All those same volume problems that have impacted DeAndre Hopkins all year also impact all of these guys as well. They spread the ball around. Obviously, it's working out just fine in real life. Uh, but we're gonna have each of Kirk, AJ Green. Wesley, potentially. We've seen Rondale Moore pop off for 8-10 to 10 target games uh, on occasion. And also, don't sleep on Zach Ertz. If anything, Andrew, and this takes us right into tight end, I do think Zach Ertz makes a lot of sense at 5,400 as a tournament option. They use him as their like red zone guy when Hopkins is unavailable or they just feel like getting the ball to someone else, which makes sense. Ertz has continued to be a solid player in the, uh, in, in the red zone for them this year. He had the two-touchdown game with Colt McCoy under center a couple weeks ago. Like he's popped off and shown the ceiling on several occasions with the Cardinals. And again, without Hopkins there, we can expect him to be more and more ingrained and basically starting, you know, three or four wide receiver sets the way they use him. So if I'm going to pay up not to Kittle, I do think uh, Ertz makes the most sense. Mike Jasicki does get a bump as well from not having Jalen Waddle. Again, though, I just think we need to... I mean, Waddle is such a target hog that everyone does deserve a little bump. But let's just keep in mind, you know, I don't think that Jasicki and Parker's role is changing. All, like, I don't think they're now look on Thursday and Friday practice, like all of a sudden just completely changing what Jasicki and Parker are doing in the offense. I think Albert Wilson and Miles Gaskin are probably going to have the largest overall difference in their pre and post Waddle target splits. And if you want to go cheap, but not disgustingly cheap, CJ Izoma, 3.1K. Everything about the uh, Bengals offense that Andrew's been saying also applies to their tight end who one of the more touchdown dependent uh, tight ends in the league but if you look at him over the last few weeks Andrew we actually have gotten a little bit more of a yardage floor than we're used to 56 yards against the Niners last week not as much against the Chargers but at least we do have six targets in back-to-back games so have a low floor with Uzoma but just 3.1k and very few other options uh, to like at that range I'm not totally against it we kind of talked about Ertz a little bit already. We talked about Jasicki a little bit already. What about, Andrew, the guy that kind of shares your name, Mark Andrews? Kind of shares my name. It, it's pretty close. <laughs> that's, that's a transition <laughs> right there, man. Let's go. You take off the yeah, And really, I think that this is the move you want to make. You know, if you build a bunch of lineups with Kittle in them, who I think is is, is clearly the, the best tight end play on the slate, just from a, a raw fantasy points total, you got to swap off of and or off Kittle if your lineup's not doing great. And Andrews, he also plays in the late window of games. Like people are concerned because it was Lamar going to play, even though last week. I mean Huntley, I mean he was just dialed into getting Andrews as many targets as like humanly possible. Yeah. Like Andrews <laughs> has really been, even though we've had we've seen Lamar and the offense kind of like fall off a little bit the last couple of weeks. Like Andrews has like not fallen off. Like his targets are still like maintained, very consistent. Like he's one of the most target. He has the highest target share among all tight ends. For the last four weeks like he's been he's a freaking hog in that offense so again weird things happen i know that kittle is obviously going to project better than andrews but if you need to catch the field like you know preying on another george kittle 40 point game when he's you know 20 percent owned is not going to help you in any tournament so you got to swap off him to mark andrews even if you have to eat some salary in the process um so just something to keep in mind because um, they do play both play in the late window so you can make the, the late swap there and then the other guy i want to mention is tyler higby so he's at 4k Again, he didn't play last week, but I, I don't think OBJ is going to play. You know, basically, guys that test positive for COVID, you just don't play the same week that yeah. they test. So Higby's back. You know, he's now off the COVID list because he tested positive or Monday or he wasn't back. I don't know exactly, but he's off the list. So he should play in this game, and he should be the number three receiver behind Cooper Cobb and Van Jefferson. And Taylor Higby's had this really coveted role like all year long. Like he's been running around like over 85% of dropbacks. Like that's top five in the league. And the matchup is finally good for him. Seahawks have had the most fans points to the position over the last four weeks. Fifth most on the season. So, I mean, I've been pounding, you know, it's, it's funny. Like, I was fading Higby all, like, off season. It's like, no, this guy's not going run to run enough routes. And then, of course, like, he runs, like, more routes than any other tight end. Just can't get targeted because of all the target competition. And now that's somewhat narrower. You know, no Woods, no OBJ, potentially. Like, this is a spot where I do want to go back to Higby. He's at 4K. So, I really think he should be priced a lot higher i mean like it's crazy like Ertz is more expensive than dallas goddard like yeah. <laughs> like it's just like weird to look at it like wait but you kind of get it at the same time you're like dude am i really gonna pay 5.4 game for zach Ertz? so i think higby's in a very similar role similar touchdown upside and, and kind of similar situation like you're taking one piece out of that offense so maybe instead of paying up for Ertz, you save some money you play higby instead 
No, I, I think it's a it's a great point. Kind of like our Miami example, I don't think that Beckham going down necessarily shifts everything to Jefferson. Like, okay, they have been using Beckham as a field stretcher, but Jefferson as well, I think, has been actually going further downfield. And if you look at that Monday night game, OBJ was actually the guy that they were kind of using a little bit more in the underneath areas, obviously busted that crosser, uh, had the one-on-one touchdown. So if you look at the Seahawks defense, they're not good. Like, I'm not trying to say that necessarily, but – Facing passes, it's only 20 yards downfield, only 11 completions allowed, 8.8 yards per attempt, 23.4% explosive pass play rate. Those are all top three marks in the league. So if they are so hell-bent on stopping Jefferson deep, guys like Tyler Higby, guys like Cooper Cup should be eating in the underneath areas of the field. Real quick, on defense, I always like to list a handful of groups where I think they have a running back that is expecting to be a bell cow to some extent, also a good matchup against a bad offense. So... Saquon and the Giants DST. I know the Cowboys aren't a bad offense, completely contradicting myself immediately. As we know, though, Dak could continue to play a little bit hurt, as we saw last week. James Robinson, the Jaguars defense against the Texans. Najee Harrison, Pittsburgh defense against the Titans, who have truly been a bottom five offense since losing Derrick Henry. Devin Singletary and the Bills defense against the Panthers. If Josh is banged up, maybe we see Singletary get there. But man, I can barely even sell myself on that. So, you know, let's just disregard Devin Singletary, and now he'll probably get go off because I said that. Uh, and then finally, Miles Gaskin in that Miami defense against the Jets. Any final defense thoughts, Andrew? No, I mean, I, I love the James Robinson Jags defense call. I mean, look, yeah. people like the Jags have sucked all year, but like this is the week to play Jags. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. Like, and I, I think that we'll probably see the Jags DST. I know like at least the last time I checked the projections, because I, I was really interested to see like who would be more popular, Texans DST or Jags DST, because at the same price, of course, you know, DraftKings really putting us in a bind because we, we would have just played whoever was cheaper. But they're like, nah, like we're going to make them the same price, make everybody choose between these two bad defenses. So, I mean, but I think that's a reason to lean towards Jags because you like you mentioned, like you can stack with James Robinson. I'm not playing Texas. I'm not doing the Texans running back thing. Like every time I'm like, oh, like David Johnson's like in a good spot. Like, OK, 10 touches. Great. Like didn't work <laughs> out like James Robinson. I, I feel really confident about him this week. Like they, they, they want to get him going. Daryl Bevel, you know knows how to get the run game going with with james robinson i think that last week they were going to do it but they just the game script like they fell behind they ran 20 plays in the first half couldn't establish it like james robinson like his first carry like lost like five yards it's like all right well this isn't gonna work we got to throw the football uh i think james robinson is gonna blow up in this this game so i like them and the jags defense i think it makes a lot of sense and now for the main event the prop profit himself i can't find your overall record but i know it's damn good we've been doing this the people know it's good that's all we the need people to know it's, it's good, good. <laughs> we are not coming here and selling you people lies we own up to it we talk about what happened the previous week where andrew told us Derek carr under 265 and a half passing yards easy win you know finished with 262 when is the win is the win marvin jones unfortunately decided to go over on his receiving yards uh for the first time in lord knows how long one and one week again doing great on the year though so andrew what do you have for the people ahead of this week 15 yeah, so uh, it's playoff time, so uh, we're we're going all over. Like that's we're doing overs. We're not uh, enough of these unders. Marvin Jones, you know, with that BS thirty-one yard catch he had at the end of the second half, he just just oh god, tilting my face off. So number one, so Justin Fields over one hundred eighty and a half passing yards. Look, I, I don't understand why the lines open so low for Justin Fields. Like he's like an NFL quarterback, like. Got like I, it should at least be like opening at like 200 passing yards against like, the Vikings too. Come on, that, that's look. The Vikings have allowed over the last four weeks over 305 passing yards per game. Like I get that Fields is not this like prolific pocket passer, and like he does make up a lot of his production on the ground. But I mean, all of his receivers are healthy. Like Allen Robinson is back. Like not to say Robinson is doing a lot on his own, but he's still a like, good receiver that's out there, you know, catching passes from Justin Fields. Like he has Darnell Mooney, like who's kind of disappeared the last two weeks. So. I mean, Fields, you know, he's thrown for over 200 yards in his last two starts. He's averaging in those last two starts over 30 passing attempts per game. So this is not the same Bears office we saw at the beginning of the year where they, like, wouldn't let Fields throw the ball. It's opening up a little bit more. He's running. He's throwing the ball downfield. So, yeah, I think this one's easy. Their defense that he's facing on Monday night is atrocious. It's in the dome, and the PFF projections have him for 225 and a half passing yards. That's 40 yards more than, you know, the the line is set at. So I think that the, it's an easy over with Justin Fields. And then the second one is Deontay Foreman over 45 and a half rushing yards. Now, nice. I know there's obviously concerns about like, you know, is he like the lead guy? And like, that's really the only way to see this failing because I mean, the Pittsburgh Steelers run defense is like 
bottom five. Like it's 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 gross. It's atrocious. Yeah. I mean, Dalvin Cook could have friggin' had like a cup of coffee, like you know, make made lunch. Like those lanes are just he absolutely had, massive. He had one fifteen before contact. The only other guy <laughs> to do that this year was Jonathan Taylor in that Jets just massacre. <laughs> it's just like like they weren't even trying to stop him on the ground. Like so, Deontay Foreman. I think. I mean, forty five and a half. It's just it's just too low of a number. I think you know he should still be viewed as like the early down back. Um, you know, he has 32 carries in his last two games. He's averaging 4.9 yards per carry. I know he played fewer snaps than McNichols and Hilliard last week, but, you know, he didn't play in the fourth quarter. And they've kind of been, like, experimenting with how they used him because, like, the week before when they played the Patriots, like, all they did was play in the fourth quarter. So I think they're still trying to figure out how they view these running backs, but I think they do view, like, from, you know, if you kind of zoom out, I think they look at Foreman as, like, all right, he's, like, our closest thing that we have to, like, Derrick Henry in terms of an early down bruiser back. Like we're gonna pound him against the Steelers defense that has shown literally nothing in the run game. Like they can't stop the run, and it's just so weird because it's the Steelers. And I'm not sure why the line is set like that because it is the Steelers. But I mean, what we've seen from Pittsburgh is one of the worst run defenses in the league this year. They're ranked fourth worst in the league in rushing yards allowed per game, and dead last over the last four weeks. Obviously, the Dalvin Cook explosion on Thursday night has a lot to do with it. But dude, when Alex Collins rushes for 100 yards against you, like that tells you everything. <laughs> Like, like, that, like that, that should have been our sign when that happened. Like, wait a minute. Like, <laughs> Alex Collins rushed sign 100 the alarms. yards. Like, that should have been. Yeah, exactly. And ever since then, it's just been all downhill for Pittsburgh. So <laughs> I think that he could probably get this, you know, on one or two drives, honestly. Like, he had 42 rushing yards like in the first half last week. So I think this is a good spot for Foreman. We need to make that like a Monday segment next year. Like, all right, what one <laughs> stat happening should we just – completely overreact to but like maybe actually for good reasons so no, it's like when when bad players do something like kind yeah. of like stands out like wait a minute it's like does this mean this player's like we know this player's not good so this is telling us about the defense like that's yeah. kind of what we got to do it's like when a monroe st brown you know catches what was his stats against the vikings a monroe st brown catches 10 balls for 86 yards in the tutty against the vikings like oh is Amon Ross St. Brown the second coming of Wes Walker? Or maybe, just maybe, is this a Vikings <laughs> secondary a little bit rough? I do love that Fields call. Over 180 and a half passing yards. Deontay Foreman over 45 and a half rushing yards. Yep. Fantastic stuff from the prop profit himself. Andrew, everyone can find your work on pff.com on this podcast. You're also all over the industry. Always grinding. Fantasy football stardom. Set them buy low and sell high targets based on high value opportunities. Fantasy football ranks and always there on Monday with the week's top waiver wire pickups. Anything else you want to get off your chest, my friend? Nah, man. Good luck to everybody in DFS this week. And good luck to your fantasy football playoffs. You know, again, yeah. this is this is the crunch time. You know, don't overthink things you know worst comes to worst just go with the ponies that got you there <laughs> and hopefully you're first round by so that Jalen Waddle pony <laughs> yeah exactly uh, right. don't play Jalen Waddle <laughs> don't play yeah that's what the biggest thing you should take away from this podcast is do not play Jalen Waddle this week he uh he's out so follow Andrew on Twitter at Andrew Erickson underscore you can check me out at iHeartits as always Andrew will be holding it down with Dwayne on Friday night doing the injury thing I'm going to be chilling in Chicago but don't worry we'll be back Sunday night reviewing all the action that just happened and back to our usually reg- usually regularly scheduled programming my goodness you learn how to talk in week 16 and beyond so for Andrew I'm Ian thanks as always for tuning in until next time take care everybody <laughs>